Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. All right, political trivia quiz for you. Yeah, that's how I'm going to start my morning. Political trivia quiz. There was a time when you would not have a clue what was coming up in the budget, other than some speculation in the Sunday papers. Now we have everything in front of us, but there was a time when a certain politician lost his job. He was a junior minister at the time, and he lost his job because he let details of the budget out to a journalist about 10 minutes before the minister got on his feet. Times have changed. It is all in today's papers. All but whatever Pascal Donoghue or Michael McGrath might be holding up their sleeves. Morning. It's budget day. It'll be a long day in politics. There'll be a lot of speechifying, a lot of shouting from the opposition, a lot of people not happy, a lot of people happy, people saying, look, let's make the best of this. It's generous. Some people will say it's a very generous package. Some people will say it's not going far enough. It'll be up to yourself to, to make your own judgment on it, I think, by the end of the day. But it is all in your newspapers this morning. A very big, long list of what's coming this afternoon when first Pascal Donoghue gets to his feet at a quarter to one, or sorry, at one o'clock. That will tell us uh, the state of the nation and then we'll get Michael McGrath with the spending. Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun, political correspondent, joins me. Adam, can you remember the answer to that trivia question? Morning. Good morning. Yeah, I think that was long before my time. It must have been more than 20 years ago now. But 
if I had to take a guess, I think it was Phil Hogan, am yeah, I right? got it in one, young man. It was Phil Hogan. He was Minister for European Affairs at the time. And he literally, as he got the thing into his hand, he let it go to a journalist and he lost his job by the end of the day. Now everything is in front of us. Adam, there's a lot in there, a lot coming. Is there something for everybody in the audience, as Tubbs might say? There really is something for everybody in the audience. I mean, if you look across the measures that we're reporting, you'll see extensive coverage of, of what to expect in the budget in today's Irish Sun. And for renters, there's a thousand euro over the next year. For students, a thousand euro before Christmas. For people on welfare, a double payment this month and a double payment again at Christmas. That's not to mention with the rate going up as well by 12 euro a week. For workers, they're going to, uh, reduce the income tax on you for about between five and six hundred euro a year depending on how much you earn there's those 600 euro on energy uh, credits some of the hospital charges are going down the 80 euro inpatient charge will go down there is really something for everybody across this budget it's one of the big, biggest giveaway budgets i think i've ever worked on now it income tax in usc a big change there you will not go on the high rate of tax until you hit 40,000. That will take an awful lot of people out of the high rate completely. Yes, and I think that's the the, the aim there, is to try and help those kind of lower to mid-income earners to, to take a bit more and keep a bit more of their pay. It's something that we saw the Fine Gael side of the government flag up very early that this is the, the group they wanted to help. And you, you'll have, I think we spoke before about Leo Vraga's uh, aim to get a, a, a new tax ban, a 30% tax ban in for middle income earners. That was shot down as unworkable at the moment. But this is kind of the compromise they've given is to have that big 3,000 euro jump onto the, the uh, higher rate. So that does, as you say, take a lot of people out of it. But it will also let a lot of people, you know, people who earn 50,000 euro keep a lot more, more of their, their wage. Yeah. On welfare, doubling of pretty much everything, um, tw- uh, double, doubling of, of some straight after the budget, uh, there is some, some double payments. There's a double payment this side and a double payment on the other side of Christmas. Isn't that right? And then everything is, up by yeah. 12 euro a week. Yeah, this is one of the biggest welfare packages they've had in about 20 years. I think that 12 euro jump is, in fact, more than 20 years ago, the last time they went up by that much. Uh, this was the the sticky um, negotiation uh, ticket in the in the government yesterday. Government leaders met on Sunday night, and we were kind of expected to have a whole deal done on Sunday night, and maybe we could have more details for the Monday paper. But those meetings dragged on, and from what I understand, health and in particular social welfare were the big points that they weren't agreed. And they that didn't get agreed until about I think it was nearly eight o'clock last night that Heather Humphreys came out of those meetings and. Uh, and managed to get this deal. So it's about €2 billion Euro extra on top of the social welfare package. And what it means for, for your listeners then is a double welfare payment before Halloween, which we're calling the Halloween bonus in the paper today. And then you get your Christmas bonus as usual, €12 Euro on top of your payments. And then across the board, then say for every carer in the country, they'll get €500 Euro lump sum. Anybody with a disability, a €500 Euro lump sum. People who have the fuel allowance, a €200 Euro lump sum. And then the rates as well go up slightly and, and are expanded to more people. So it's an enormous welfare package. The cost of electricity, not just for householders, but for business. That's a huge one, Adam. What's in there? 
Yes, so this is something from um, Leo Varadkar's side, as far as I understand. Uh, it's a 1.2 billion euro package for businesses. Now, in particular for small businesses, there's a billion euro there to help them through the winter. So this runs up until February and it'll be backdated to the start of September as well. So there'll be money there that they'll get, be able to claim back. And the idea is that the government will help subsidize their electricity and gas bills by 40% of the increase. So those massive increases that we've seen, you know, the 30%, 20% that we've seen this year, they will cover 40% of that increase up to a maximum of 10,000 euros. So if you're a pub, a shop owner, you know, a bar, a restaurant, these are the, this is the grant for you. You'll be able to apply to this and it will help you pay those enormous electricity and gas bills through the winter. And we, we had acronyms to get used to in COVID times. we got to get used to the TBES here. This the is TBES, yes, T-Bes, that's new one. Another one, another one. That, and then for householders, is it two or three credits, Adam? So the credits work out depending on how you get your electricity bill, is how I'm told. So we've seen previously it was reported that it's two um, hits of 300 euro. Then you've seen other papers who will report that it's three hits of 200 euro. I think it's going to work out depending on how you get your uh, electricity bill. So some people get their electricity bills bi-monthly. I think it works out other ways for other people. So you will get a payment before Christmas and a payment after Christmas. Some people might get two payments uh, after Christmas or two payments for it. Depends on when you get your electricity. But either way, it's €600 Euro for every household in the country across the board. Okay. And free school books for primary school is another one. Yes, this is one from Minister Norma Foley on the Fianna Fáil side of the house. This is something that actually she was been trying to get through in the last couple of budgets, but the COVID budget kind of ate away and any kind of extras that the government wanted to get through. So when the money was here this time, she kind of really went for it. And it's £47 million that will give free uh, school books to all primary level school kids from next year. So next September, that'll take a little bit of the money out of those um, back to school costs for parents. And childcare being attached or addressed. Yes, childcare. This is a difficult one now from the Green Party side of the house. This is a 25% cut to childcare. Now, it's difficult to work out how much that is uh, worth to each family because those um, childcare fees are kind of means tested and that sort of thing. I've been told that it's €1,200 per child uh, that it'll help, but I think that does depend on where you are in the country and how much um, money you earn. I think that the childcare fees and stuff are kind of dependent on means tested and things like that. So that will be one that will probably change individually house to house, but it's still a 25% overall cut to your childcare fees is what you should expect there. Now, the minimum wage is going to go up on the 1st of January um, to 11.30, and the fear would be, Adam, that that would bring some people into a tax and USC bracket that they were never in before. Mm. Has that been looked at? The USC issue was one that I hadn't heard flagged too much. Now, I know the Tanishta wanted to uh, move the USC so that anyone who earned that increase from the minimum wage would be able to keep it. But the full details of that we haven't seen, and I expect probably won't see till about one o'clock today when the minister who comes out and does his speech. Yeah, there's a thing. We know pretty much most of it. I have a three or four page document I've used in your newspaper, of pages and pages of my own notes in front of me. Do we have everything or is there anything up the ministerial sleeve? From I was speaking as much as I can to every government department, every government source I could yesterday, and I, from what I gather, it doesn't seem to be any surprises left. Now, look, Minister Donoghue, Minister McGrath could well shock us with something exciting today, but 
personally, I'm not expecting it. Yeah. I think we, we've got sight of all the, the good stuff they have today, and that's why you'll see it all in the papers. I think the thing to look at today is where the money didn't go. You know, and what issues the new measures cause. I mean, if you look at, say, Minister uh, Donnelly in health has ex- announced an enormous expansion of the free GP card. So um, 420,000 more people will fall into that and will be able to get free GP care. And I think there's probably doctors across the country who are pulling out their hair going, I haven't got enough of time to be able to deal with the patients I have now at the moment. I've How am I going to deal with on the radio more this free morning. GP care? I've already heard a doctor on the radio this morning saying exactly that. You know the ha- the head versus heart argument, Adam, where your heart says, everything I'm reading here, somebody needs that. Everybody needs every element of help that's in this. It's all needed. That's what your heart says. Your head says it has to be paid. How the hell are we going to pay for this? Well, I think when you look back at the the white paper that was announced there last week or over the weekend, the money is there to pay for this. I mean, we have enormous uh, surplus this year in the tax and in, in particular in corporation tax and from the Department of Finance's predictions it looks like we're going to have an even bigger surplus and in a bigger corporation tax in particular take next year. So the money does seem to be there or is forecast to be there. So I think it's a matter of we have it, we'll spend it from the two ministers. It's just shades of, of, of Charlie McCreevy back in the day. Double children's allowance. There will be a double children's allowance payment, yes? Yes, there will indeed. I think that goes from 140 up to 280 as a one-off Per child, so I mean that's a, a big boost for families there. All right, Adam, we'll catch up maybe again tomorrow or the day after when all the dust settles on this. Thank you very much, Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. So Pascal Donoghue will stand up at one o'clock. He will tell us the state of the finances and the state of the books, and then at quarter to two, Michael McGrath will stand up and tell us how the money is going to be spent. There's a lot of it here. There's pages and pages of stuff here. T- changes to tax and USC. Tax credit for renters is in there. A lot of social welfare stuff, as Adam was saying. A reduction in the cost of childcare. Package for third level. Fees to drop. A thousand euro with immediate effect. Uh, and there'll be a change going forward in what you actually pay. PhD students even to get a, a once-off cost of living payments, uh, four hundred and thirty odd thousand GP medical cards, there to be uh, made available. Publicly funded IVF coming next year. Inpatient hospital charges to go. Those schemes to do with helping business pay for their lecky. Kerry was on with me yesterday from Fitzpatrick's in Glowntown and you'll remember she got a bill up to July of 11595 for electric she got a bill from July to September of 29000 she'll hopefully find something in there to help her with this 1000 new Gardaí they're saying but how many will retire that's always the question new backroom staff to free up the frontline guards an increase in the gather overtime budget to get more guards out there uh, 600 euro in energy credits they say there'll be a vacant property tax we'll wait to see that that being dropped to zero on newspapers and there's lots and lots and lots more Karen Doyle do you see anything in there that would make you call off the protest you're planning in Cove morning Good morning how are you PJ um, okay so first of all 
it's not actually a protest, it's a public meeting. Okay, okay? so the public meeting happens tonight at the Commodore Hotel at 7.30pm and everybody's welcome to come along, including um, hard-pressed business owners as well. Now, we've been out and about, PJ, the last few weeks um, handing out leaflets and promoting this public meeting um, in various states and calls and also calling to businesses. And uh, I read an article yesterday um, a Katrina Toomey, that wonderful woman of Penny Dinners, and she, the term she used was, it is grim. And I couldn't think of a better word to describe um, what we were hearing on the doorsteps. Um, ordinary people, ordinary business owners who are really and truly, um, absolutely, desperately um, in trouble for the coming winter. Mm. Um, you know, I had one business owner tell me that his um, electricity, I think he's putting in €100 Euro per day for his electricity. Yeah. Um, I mean, that is unsustainable by, by any well, stretch well, of the imagination. Well, I mean, you, know? you heard, you may have heard Kerry from Fitzpatrick's in Glountall, I'm sure you'll know it well, mm-hmm. yesterday on the programme with me. The two months, and I'm repeating it again now, but the two months up to July mm-hmm. 21, 21st this year, she had a bill of €11,600. And her bill from July 21st to September 21st <coughs> 29,000 euro. Now that is unsustainable. Well, of course it's unsustainable, but it's also, um, it is the absolute extortionate way that companies are price gouging. I mean, there's no other word for it. It is total greed. I think that the utility company should be nationalised. I think it should be for on a not-for-profit basis. I really, really do. We are facing an absolute catastrophe here. And it isn't just about the energy crisis, PJ. It is right across the board. It's a cost-of-living crisis. That includes not just energy, the amount of money being spent for a, a basket of, of goods has almost doubled. Um, wages have not increased to keep in line with inflation, as we all know. So... You know, when we were out um, last week, we called this house and a lady was about to bath her baby, actually. She wrapped him in a towel. She came out to us and she said, uh, you know, gave us a rundown of the, her desperate situation, like most people that we call to. Um, a bag of coal is €45 Euro now. So yeah. whatever crumbs that they are given to people um, like this lady in the budget is just not going to be sufficient of course, there are going to be things in this budget that will be welcomed. I think such as the free school books. I think that's really, really good. But that should be done across the board for every every student in the state. Yeah. Our state is really failing um, society, I would say, at this stage. We have a, a, a massive crisis in housing. There should be um, state intervention and state building houses um, immediately. And I think it, that would be a fundamental a shift in policy. It would really bring about, I think, a stability right across the economy if people had their own home and their own roof over their head. Looking, I mean, at, they, the, they, they, looking at the fuel, though, and housing is addressed in there. There's a mm. tax credit for renters. It'll be, it'll be something, I suppose. Don't know how much, how it'll work out. Their help-to-buy scheme being extended for a couple of years. But come back to fuel, Karen, and what they're saying mm. is... The allowance will be increased, the threshold will be changed, and there'll be a lump sum of €400 Euro for people on fuel allowance. It is something. Okay, so it, it is something for the energy companies. That's what it is. And it's almost like a bailout of energy companies, in my opinion, anyway. Okay, so I just think that you're giving money to people, the pe- it'll be directly paid to energy companies. Now, that is 
on top of massive No, no, profits. no, 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 that's the credit. You know? that's, the, that's the electrical credit. I'm talking about the actual fuel allowance cash into people's pocket, that they, the allowance will be increased, the threshold will be changed, and the, there'll be a lump sum for all recipients. That's something. That's what I'm saying. Well, of course it's something. But is it going to be enough is the thing. I mean, if you have people like Curry um, ringing in and saying her bill is 29000 for yeah. people like that. I mean, what is that going to oh, be yeah, like she, for well, household? She's, she's not going know? to be on a fuel allowance. What, what no, exactly. No, I, I, I understand is, what you're saying. Yeah. But what you have to understand, PJ, is that even with this um, help, right, and this little bit of support, you have people literally wondering if they can afford fuel or heat or mm. eat. This is where people are at. So it, it is only crumbs that we're dealing with here. People will have to make those very stark choices in the winter months ahead. Is it, is you know, it, fair, is it fair to describe, Karen, and I'm just playing the other, the other card okay. here, is it fair to describe nearly 11 billion euro as crumbs? Well, I think it is... In, <laughs> Of course, when you say it like that, it isn't because you think that is an astronomical amount of money. And, you know, but when it comes um, into the everyday households of a weekly budget, what will it mean in real terms for people? People who are, um, you know, working people, for people who are on disability, for people who are carers, what's it actually going to mean in real terms? And we don't know that until this afternoon, until this evening, when we number crunch and then we see, well, you know, you know, I just, I have, um, I don't have much faith that it's going to do an awful lot for people. It will do something for for people. I'm not saying it isn't. Mm. It will, of course. But will it do enough, PJ? And that's the thing. And from what we're hearing on the doorstep, there's possible fear among people. You know, and for small businesses in particular, yeah. for towns like Cove, how how can they sustain the level of bills like that? And then you have to also think as well, PG, that the people who would have had a little bit of spare cash that would have gone out and, um, you know, gone for meals or, or bought takeaways or that, those days would probably be gone in the winter. What then for those small businesses who do um, so much for the local economy by employing local people, you know? So that's all I'm saying is that from what we are hearing on the doorstep, we really feel that calling this public meeting to bring the community together so that we can actually organise ourselves and and fight back against this onslaught. And it is an onslaught and it isn't just about energy. It's right across the board. We have people, including myself, with adult children living at home because they can't afford rent and because they can't afford or that there aren't properties available. Yeah. So that is a crumb in the ocean when you're talking about um, help people like that. So you've got you know? the Commodore tonight, 7.30, by which time it, it'll it, all have been published and all have been released. Well, it's actually tomorrow night. It's Wednesday night, night. 7.30pm. So it's tomorrow night. So we have a, a, a night to digest what has been said in the budget. And we do want people to come together. We want people defending their communities, their states, their towns, the way we did um, against the water. And isn't it absolutely amazing the way we all responded to the water and joined the Right to Water campaign? Can you imagine the bills that they would be charging us for water on top of what we have to pay now? So, you know, everybody's welcome um, along and, and let's get defending our communities once more. Right. I believe that we can win it. All right. Karen, thank you very much, as always. Karen Doyle in Cove. That's tomorrow night in the Commodore at half past seven. Oh, the fags have gone up 50 cents. As of, probably as of midnight.
Uh, the drink has been left alone, or will be left alone. Not has been, will be left alone. Um, there's a few more things in there. Eleven bi- In or around 11 billion. There's 5 million of us. It's a lot of money. But you have to ask the question, is it being spent in the right way? A lot of people think it is. A lot of people think it isn't. Kevin says the allowance has increased, but it's swallowed up by more than the fuel allowance rise. So her analogy is accurate. She's good. Uh, yeah, Karen makes her uh, makes her point very well. Thank you. Uh, I was talking to my brother last night. An elderly couple who live near him got a letter from the electricity company saying they're not using enough electricity. Is that possible? If it is, it's heartbreaking that an elderly couple trying to save electricity because of the rising cost and are now being told they're not using enough. Actually, yes, that can be in your contract. So you need to check your contract. Sometimes when you sign up for contracts with electricity or gas, you're making a commitment to use a certain amount. Yeah, I know, I know. It doesn't make a whole pile of sense to me either. I want to know what you think of what's coming or what we know that's coming and what you would prefer to see. 0818969696, There's stuff in there for carers. There's stuff in there for people receiving disability. There's... All sorts of stuff. It's all kinds of it's in all kinds of everything budget. Something for everybody in the audience, as they would have us, they would have us believe something for everybody in the audience. Is there something in there for you, as you understand it so far? Twelve euro a week in social welfare payment, in all of them, but then there were different increases in various allowances and once-off payments at Christmas. The double payment that you get every year, but there's a once-off at Halloween of a double payment for everybody and there's a 500 euro for people with a disability and there's 500 euro for a carer as well. It's all coming. But is it enough or will it make a difference? 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts? Corks 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles is coming. And you could be going to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. Send you and a friend on the experience of a lifetime. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money, and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour, December 8th. Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Sun, Samba, and Styles. Starts Monday. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, one thing that is in there is the hospitality VAT rate, which is presently 9%. They renewed it in the summer, and it's scheduled to run until February. But what we think is coming in the budget is that it'll go back up to 13%. In February, that seems to be fairly much nailed down, just subject to announcement. Dermot O'Sullivan is at Greenwich. Dermot, morning. Uh, morning, PJ. How are you? That won't go down well with you and your colleagues in the sector. Um, certainly not. Uh, hopefully, it'll be uh, kept as it is. Uh, it's certainly uh, very much needed at the moment. Uh, you know, with, with everything else going on, so we're kind of hoping that it will be maintained. Yeah. Yeah. The speculation is though that 
in order to give on the side of the electricity bills that Pascal Dunne, who said, well, no, the VAT has to come back. That, that seems to have been what happened in the discussions. That would be a bad result for you and your colleagues. Uh, certainly so. I think it'll be a devastating result for the entire industry. You know, I think uh, it's certainly something that uh, we're, we're hoping that won't happen because uh, we need both of it at this stage. We're still kind of dealing with the, the aftermath of COVID as well. You know, it's it's um, it's certainly not the right time to be doing it. Yeah, now you took you that know? business over there just a short while back. Your electricity bills, Dermot, how are they behaving themselves or, or otherwise? I suppose, well, like everyone else in, in the industry and everyone else even at home as well, they've, they've gone up. Um, you know, we, we've dealt with that. Um, like, uh, like I said as well before, like, you know, we've dealt with uh, right across the board. It's not just literacy. It's the cost of our ingredients. You know, the cost of every, every cost has gone up since January, since I took it over. Uh, in some cases, gone up uh, twice, and I I could see it even uh, going up again a third time in in the winter months as well with some of our ingredients, you know. And that's what we're dealing with at the moment. So I think any uh, any impact uh, today now would definitely be devastating for the industry, you know. Mm. What seems to be in here is they're going to be calling it the TBES, the Temporary Business Energy Support Scheme where businesses yeah. will receive assistance up to a max of 10,000 per month. That would be welcome, I take it. Uh, very much so, yeah. I mean, that would be, definitely be welcome. Um, you know, it'll definitely be a, a positive step forward as well, especially coming into the winter months and, and trying to get through that. But um, I think it's, you know, we just have to wait and see what, what comes today. But uh, there's certain positive aspects to it as well, for sure, you know. What about the cost of supplies, uh, Dermot, for a cafe? I mean, the supplies of everything you need every day to put your produce on the counter. Has that gone up? Well, um, yeah, everything has actually gone up, you know. Everything really does, it really has, you know. And, uh, you know, you can't really shoot up the, the, the end results, like we say, it's size okay. You, you can't really pull up any more than you can, you know. So we're, we, um, myself, and anyway, I'm definitely absorbing a lot more costs, you know, and the margins are shrinking on that. But, um, so yeah, every, 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 um, everything has gone up, you know, every bit of the supplies, whether it's dairy, whether it's coffee, whether, uh, you know, it's mm. the electricity, everything has gone up, you know. How important yeah. is it? We're facing into the, biggest 12 weeks of the year now into the jazz and then into Christmas how important is it that we have a good last quarter of 2023 um, I, I think it's really important you know we're very much looking forward to the jazz again we're very much looking forward to Christmas and we're hoping you know that uh, we can trade well throughout it uh, so like, you know, there's there's certainly a, a lot of events that coming up there are great for the city as well, you know. Culture Night as well, uh, last weekend was great for the city as well, you know. So um, it's great to see people back in the city and, you know, and uh, things like jazz and, mm. and you know, Christmas shopping and all that. We'll, we'll definitely, um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to that as well, yeah. you know. Should be hoping that the bleak, dark, bleak days of January and February will be offset by, by a good winter season. Dermot, thank you and good luck with everything. Dermot O'Sullivan, uh, Greenwich Cafe, formerly Idaho, thank you. That is, seems to be nailed down. I'm reading a press release from the licensed Vintner people. Uh, the one of the public or one yes, one of the publicans groups, IVF and, and licensed Vintner, and they seem fairly certain that the VAT that is now at nine percent uh, is supposed to go back to thirteen point five percent in February and that Pascal Dunne is going to let it go back. That seems to be on the cards for sure. Vinny says that the assistance for electricity etc. should be targeted so the less well-off do best. Uh, do TDs qualify for energy credits and on how many properties? It's a fair question, Vinny. 
I think the energy credits are for everybody. I know I will certainly get them. And yes, they will be welcome. Um, I will get them. Uh, and I know, I imagine the TDs get them too. On how many properties? That one I plead the fifth because I don't know. Ted says, listening to all the pre-budget chat, it's interesting with all this money sloshing around, that the 100th cataract bus to Belfast just happened from Michael Collins' heartland to Northern Ireland. Ironic, given how many fell over themselves to own his legacy. Uh, that's from Ted. It's, it's a point, Ted. The cataract bus is still going north. And yesterday, we were talking to people who have been to out, out to Alicante and had their operations out there. And there are more people calling us, believe it or not, to say they've had their operations and they are ecstatically happy at how well it has all gone. But, like Ted said, with all this money around, why are they having to do that? Is the 500 for those with a disability or on disability allowance? It's a bit confusing, says Jackie. Jackie, that is confusing. I am assuming it's a once-off for those on disability allowance. I'm assuming that. Uh, presume that's obviously something we'll have to clarify later. Everywhere, every problem we've had with housing, rent, hospital waiting lists, they're all still there, says this message. I think a lot of what they're announcing is to make them look good. I agree there are things that are really good. I welcome the increase in the pension. What we're gaining would just about cover one meal for Michal Martin or Michael McGrath. And hopefully tomorrow we'll be able to talk with uh, Minister McGrath on the show about what comes out today. We're hoping to be able to chat with him at some point on tomorrow's show. Let's go back to the phones. Paul Brannock is owner of the Three Little Piggies. And Paul, the street furniture allowance, as it were, that came through during COVID, as in you didn't need to pay for street furniture and there was no license required and all of that. No one seems to know for sure what's happening with that, but it's important that it stays as it is. Correct. Good morning. Uh, I, good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I, I think go, going forward, I think next year it would definitely need to stay as it is. Now the plans are that uh, the it was uh, wasn't charged for this year. wasn't charged during COVID for a couple of years. Mm. Now the plan is is that the charges are coming back in again on the first of January, as far as I know this how, year. How coming. much is it, Paul? Well, it would work out as about two hundred and fifty euros a table. Now, I had originally had originally four tables outside the deli, so it'd have been four or two hundred and fifty a table, a thousand euros, and then you'd have had um, an application fee of one hundred and ten euros, which was non-refundable. Right. Now, since then, I have added five tables outside, which are licensed. You have to make sure they are licensed to going forward because um, for insurance purposes and everything like that. Of course. No, so this year coming, that would be an extra one thousand two hundred and fifty onto the existing thousand. So it'd be two thousand two hundred and fifty euros to cover all my tables outside. Okay. Okay. And, that's and you have to it's obviously. A, it's a bill you don't want. Uh, well, do you know. It's I, I'm you. I've been used to the outside seating for since I opened six years ago, and I know the the jigs and the reels you got to go through with City Hall. You have to play ball with them. You have to have it insured, and this is the the rules to go by. Now I think for 
obviously the outdoor seating in the city has been fabulous. It's rejuvenated the city, particularly on the um, Thursday and the Friday evenings in the city, which were dead. Yeah. But now with the outside seating, it's put a bit of life into the city. Yeah. Oh, the summer and was brilliant lot, again. Like, absolutely oh, yeah. brilliant. I, I think a lot of premises that didn't have outdoor seating all along are going to be shocked when they get the bill in the door this year coming yeah. for the seating outdoors. They're going to be shocked by you. Whoa, whoa. Like, some, like, for instance, outside Charlie's now and Union Grind and everything, they did a fabulous job there. Mm-hmm. City Hall. They created a load of seating from... Now, each seating area there can hold up to about 20 tables. Yeah. So you do the sums on it. That's five grand they're facing coming on the 1st of January. Yeah. Which is a huge chunk. Of, and this money has to be paid up front. Yes. There's no, not like your rates that you do quarterly or you can do weekly and stuff like that. That money's got to be paid up front to get the license. So genuinely you don't know. When do you normally get a bill, Paul? Oh, the, you, we, we get the emails at the um, the start of January that the, the license renewal is up and you have to do it online, uh, pay your fee. Right. They go through their their departments to come back to you and call it's being granted your license is there for collection with payments. Sure. We asked uh, the council for a statement on this and they came back and said that central government had waived fees for street furniture licenses for 2022 and 2021, part of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us what we already know, etc., etc. Cork City Council had previously waived fees also in 2020. Fees are normally charged January from January to December. And all we got from state, in addition to that, was central government might advise whether or not a waiver of fees will be issued at a later date as it has not yet been circulated. So their answer to your question is, we don't know. Yeah, it was central government that waived the fees over the last few years. It wasn't, it wouldn't have been our, our local government that waived. It was central government. Okay. Now, I don't know what the central government's plans are for next year. No, as is, there's talk that the nine, a special VAT rate on the hospitality is going to go back up to, or sorry, uh, is it 14.5 uh, next year, next February? So you already have straight away a 4 to 5% increase on bills going out to customers uh, over the counter. Then you'll have the 5,000 coming in for your outdoor service. Some people, 5,000 for outdoor seating that have numerous tables. Yeah. That on top of electric and on top of, even there just this morning, no, I got um, a letter in from Plan B. They supply my milk delivered to the door. Yes. It is now one ninety nine a litre from next week on. Last year I was paying one forty nine sorry, one forty nine for two litres last year. Next week is going to be one ninety nine. Just to give people an, on, an hold idea on, hold on, of hold on, hold on. So you were paying one forty nine for two litres this time last year. And did you did you just, this time last year. And did you just say to me So one one forty nine for two litres. So one ninety yeah. To, to one ninety nine is that for the two liter drum or the one liter drum? That's the two liter drum. So one forty nine to one ninety nine. That's fifty cents per drum of milk. Fifty cents in in twelve months. Just to give people an idea of what what cafes and restaurants are facing, even to the smallest items, that the the increase has been huge. I think on my calculation so far, without four gosh increasing my electric um, starting next month, my running costs have gone up by 30% since the 1st of January. 
Wow. Yeah, that's and that's not just me. That's every cafe, bar, restaurant, hotel, thirty uh, percent, and that would be. I wouldn't be a huge user of energy because we we buy in a lot of good quality products that are actually reheated on on site and everything like that. So we wouldn't be actually be cooking a lot of stuff in here. Now I hate to think of the bars and cafes and restaurants that actually have industrial ovens and gas and everything like that. Their costs are gone through the roof. Mm. Um, I fear for a lot of them that they they won't be able to sustain the the, the increases. You know. Yeah. Someone said to me a few weeks ago, Paul, um, I was at an event and a prominent member of the business community whose name I won't use said, this will kill more businesses than COVID ever did. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't like I was listening. I was just looking last night. No, the government are planning on uh, paying 40 percent of small businesses increases in energy, but that's only backdated to the start of this month. Now, which will mean I have a 35% increase coming on my electric bill um, next month from Borgosh. Now, of the extra that it's going to cost me, which is 2,800, which you got to multiply that by, I've got to make that 2,800, so that turns into 8,000 turnover to till just to pay the extra now, the government are going to cover 720 euros of that by my calculations. It's a help, yes, but that's 720 off 8,000 I've got to turn. I still have to turn in the region of 7,000 extra just to pay the extra increase. Oh my God, mighty. And that's the, the calculation. People don't realise... That's you've got a lot to- of coffee, Paul. It is. People don't realise when they hear, oh, the, a person's bill went up by 2,000 in a the cafe, they think, well, they'll be able to pay the 2,000. No, it's not like that. You've got to turn 8,000 at least to make that 2,000 to pay the extra. And this is where all the extra increases are coming in cafes and restaurants and everything like that. We've got to multiply everything by three, basically, to get what you need to turn to make that. Wow. Wow. That's an eye opener. Yeah, it's 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 it's, and we're getting. And come here, I, I don't blame our suppliers or anything like that. Every time there's an increase in electric and everything like that, our suppliers follow suit, obviously, because their production costs are going up. Like the milk went up. Our bread suppliers just got in touch with us last week. Their breads are going up again, second increase this year. Um, our meats went up about three times this year. Um, they're they're the the hidden cost that people don't see that all of a sudden that. Not only energy, but suppliers. Okay. Paul, I hope that there's something in there for you when it's all revealed later. Um, although you make your point very well, it's a hard, hard time for a business like Three Little Piggies and many others like it. Thank you, Paul Brennock. And so many other people now saying small businesses are choking here. And like I said, I won't name the person. It was a private conversation over coffee and the individual involved who would be a prominent member of the business community said to me, this will close more businesses 
than COVID ever did. 0818969696. Is it a smash it? Or totally past it? An absolute shoot? Or send it to the moon? Stuck in your head? Or completely dead? Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey and the cash could be yours. Go to 96FM.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96FM.ie. Courts. 96FM. We'll come back to the budget, your hopes, what you think of what we know already. Um, plenty more besides that. Whatever you want to tell us, you tell us. Uh, 0818969696 We'll come back to it But I want to check in first of all With Alan O'Reilly at Carlo Weather Not so much with our own weather Which is changing And we'll see all that happening over the next few weeks Winter is will be upon us Soon enough But uh, storms Storms that hit the Canaries last weekend, storms that are hitting other parts of the world and is there any danger that they land on our shores and will storm season start for us any earlier than it usually does Alan, morning Good morning PJ Keeping a look at the the world models we normally expect the first of our storms in sort of late November, early December will there be any early ones? Um, Thankfully at the moment there's nothing too serious shown there is there is a spell of very wet and windy weather uh, expected on Friday, uh, Thursday night into Friday, uh, but it's not looking too severe in terms of wind at the moment. Mm. Um, some of the weather models were developing it to be quite strong gusts, but at the moment it just looks wet and windy. And after that, actually, we have a lot of uncertainty, but at the moment we have high pressure forecasts to sit just to the south of us and kind of divert those storms um, next week to stay well northwest of us because uh, there is a lot of activity in the Atlantic at the moment. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, we, we've had high pressure just sitting to the southwest of us, which has been keeping those storms at bay, which, as you mentioned, the Canaries, for example, uh, Tropical Storm Hermione, uh, headed very unusually for, for uh, the Canary Islands rather than coming up towards us. Um, and they, they saw a year's rainfall in a day right. in some parts of the Canary Islands, yeah. um, some flash floods and that. So, no, thankfully the, the high pressure has, has kept most of that at bay. And at the moment, it does look like, as I said, there's a bit of a, a kind of a spell of wet and windy weather coming down from the northwest on Friday. Mm. Uh, the high pressure moves a little bit south. But then it looks like it's probably going to build back close to us. But it's a bit touch and go for area next week because there is, there is some low pressure um, that are expected to come across the Atlantic. But at the moment, they're heading for Iceland and not Ireland. Okay. So let's hope that, that that stays the way. Hopefully. You mentioned the Canaries. They have a weather system called Kalima, which tends to sit over them in September time. And that keeps those storms away. But Kalima arrived in July when we were there on holidays. My God, I've never known such humidity in all my life. But now Kalima isn't there. And that's what let the storms in. The weather systems of the world, Alan, are all over the gaff. And this is climate change, isn't it? Yeah, there's certainly been some very unusual and some very severe uh, weather events in the last 12 months. And unfortunately, it does look like they're going to become more of a a common team with uh, with, uh, with climate change, as you say, and especially the extent of the extremes 
um, because we would get events and we've always had storms and that's kind of I suppose the thing that climate deniers will say climate change deniers will say oh we've always had storms but they are getting more intense and they are getting worse um, the only thing is if you're heading to Canaries the good news is that, that most of that rain has cleared off it has. Um, and temp- it, it, it looks mainly settled now for the next two weeks there with temperatures in the mid-20s so um, it's probably a bit dirty still there in terms of rainfall and mudslides and things like that but certainly the weather yeah. has improved but if you're heading to Florida PJ that's the big one this well, is going to be an extremely really? serious weather they've got a bad one coming you were, you were mentioning this in your Twitter yeah Hurricane Ian um, and it, it's hitting kind of over Cuba at the moment. It's strengthened very rapidly. It's going to slow down a small bit in terms of the intensification as it's crossing over Cuba. But once it moves past Cuba, it's into very warm waters, which unfortunately is perfect for hurricane development. So it's going to become a Category 4 hurricane, we think, in the next 24 to 36 hours, becoming a major hurricane. And then the latest track, unfortunately, has brought a little bit east into the west coast of Florida, into Tampa Bay. The latest forecast from the National Hurricane Center is showing possible storm surge of up to 10 feet of water into Tampa Bay, which unfortunately could be catastrophic in terms of the, uh, the, the land and the houses that are there. Tampa Bay, I'm told by some locals, is very flat. Yeah. There's nothing to really prevent, to, to protect them. Um, but also, the, the other thing that's unusual, it looks like the hurricane could literally spin around and stay on the coast of Florida for 24 to 36 hours, dumping rain, serious wind and storm surge. So if you're heading to Florida, be very aware of the forecast. If you have family that's in Florida, make sure that they're aware of these weather warnings because I see a lot of uh, the meteorologists that I follow in America trying to say that people don't, because they've had a bit of a quiet hurricane season and they haven't really had much so far, that people aren't aware of just how severe um, Hurricane Ian is looking at the moment. Lastly, and briefly, Alan, we're at the time when the newspapers start printing predictions with regard to winter. You are good up to 10 days. I've said it to you for years. You you call it early and you call it right. But really, outside of about 10 or 15 days, how, how accurate is it to predict? Yeah, it's impossible. It's impossible. And I put up a post there about a week ago now saying that we really need people to be a little bit more cautious this year with the elderly and the vulnerable and the cost of heating and that because we're going to start getting the nonsense headlines the coldest winter in 20 years and Iberian, uh, Siberian, you know, all these sorts of headlines. Um, but unfortunately, you know, it's impossible to forecast beyond 10 days. And even at that, 10 days can often be uncertain. So, you know, if you do see a headline about, you know, very cold weather, make sure you read all of the details around that and check the weather forecast because very often the headline is a little bit misleading. All right, Alan, thank you. Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Follow him on, on Twitter. Uh, he is the best on Twitter by far. And also Cahal Nolan, who's a regular on the show. You can follow him too. And between the two of them, you won't go far wrong. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Pages and pages and pages of your comments on what is coming in the budget. As Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun was saying to me, the doesn't seem to be anything that they haven't announced. There don't seem to be any surprises. And Adam was telling me he was hitting the phones until very late last night to see was there anything that is being held back. And it would seem not. And there were pages and pages of it in your 
newspapers today. The bones of 11 billion to be spent today in various measures in the budget. And a lot of people coming back and saying, look, it might look great, you know, but lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig, is kind of a lot of what's coming back. For example, Antoinette talks about the 500 euro for people on disability or for people or for carers and she said that works out at about one euro forty a day which won't go very far you gotta say fair point well made looking to education and again your thoughts welcome at this looking to education free primary school books for all students starting in September of 2023 and also a change in the student-teacher ratio. Our student-teacher ratio, of course, one of the highest in Europe still. Jennifer Horgan's a teacher and economist. Jennifer, on those two provisions, the, the free school books, and you in your on your Twitter in particular, were delighted to see the reduction in class sizes. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, I think that... My initial reaction was was one of joy and relief in terms of the class sizes, um, because I think it's absolutely where we should be spending our money. We're so much more aware now of neurodivergence in our classrooms. So we need time and space to build relationships. And that's always where my interest lies. Um, from a parent perspective, the, the news on the school books is absolutely positive. Um, it was, you know, Barnardo's did a huge survey this year and they were citing, I think, 420 euro is what parents were paying for a fourth class student. Um, so, you know, that's obviously, you know, just bonkers. Um, so, so that needed to be addressed. Um, however... I'm going to have a few negatives here. Um, There's no mention of secondary school. Now, secondary school, they were citing that the the, the costs actually double for a first year student. Um, So, you know, I suppose that's, we'd like to go in that direction that we could include secondary. Mm. Um, But I suppose I also have reservations in terms of textbooks themselves. And as a country, we do seem to be over-reliant on textbooks. And I would question that as an educator. Um, I'd have a worry that now schools are going to spend a huge amount of money, 47 million, I think, has been given uh, for for textbooks, a huge amount of money on stuff that we actually don't necessarily need. Um, There are many reasons why textbooks might not be the perfect answer, you know, um, in that they're they're harder to use to differentiate in a class. You know, you've got 30 students with very varying uh, needs and abilities. And so a textbook can actually be quite restrictive. Um, We see in primary school, particularly, there's a lot of single use um, sort of activity books. I see them as a parent. I've got three primary school workbooks and uh, you know the thing is uh, every summer i I'm, I'm trying to recycle them but they've got plastic covers um and you know these i've heard from other teachers in primary i'm a secondary school teacher but in primary that sometimes these are used as kind of you know time filling exercises and because they don't always have um the funding for substitute teachers um like if my my husband is a primary school teacher, if he's sick, he's not replaced. His class is split up and put into different classrooms and they're asked to fill out their workbooks. So I think that, you know, uh, we need to really think about how are we spending our money? Um, the 47 million is coming in for textbooks, but we're losing the scheme that was set up post-COVID, the class scheme, which was 50 million, which was to try and address 
inequalities, um, you know, coming after COVID. So as an educator, I'm really conscious that, you know, you don't just want to spend money, you want to spend it in the best way possible. There are many countries in the world that don't really use textbooks. I worked in the British system for 12 years, never used a textbook, Australia, Canada. Mm. Um, people are moving away from them because they're they're very aware of different needs in classrooms and the fact, you know, that knowledge is changing all the time. Yeah. Um, and you see that, you know, new editions coming out every year. So a parent is spending money and then they can't yeah. pass the book on to their, well, 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 you know, all that well, stuff. Jennifer, that nonsense is going on since I was in school and since my own children yeah. were in school, that a book, and I think it's particularly, and you being a secondary teacher, it's particularly a problem with secondary. Uh, and a few years yes. ago, one of the education correspondents in the newspapers did research over a period of time. And uh, as a, a standard book in science, about nine pages changed over three years, but you had to get a new book every year. That nonsense is still going on. It's horrific. Yeah, it's not good enough. You know, it's not. And uh, so I, I'd be really interested to hear more about the details of the plan um, and how that's going to be prevented. I know there's worries as well among local bookshops, you know, that what what kind of deal is going to be um, secured? You know, are these are the local bookshops going to going to suffer? Um, so there's a lot to be sort of ironed out, I suppose. So I'd say, yeah, from a parent perspective, lots of positives. From yeah. a, a school perspective, I'd like us to, to keep asking questions. I think parents will welcome the idea of free primary school books. They certainly will welcome that. But like you said, it's a machine with many moving parts. Jennifer, thank you. Jennifer Horgan, both a teacher and a columnist with the examiner. And I don't, I know myself, if my smallies were in primary school, I'd be absolutely delighted. Fiona, have you got the headset there for a second? Your two, your two are in, are in primary you haven't got it, okay. Kate on school books. Morning. Hi. Um, a lot of people couldn't afford to go on the laptops and iPads, you know? Yeah. They couldn't for a few children. And they're stolen a lot of the time as well. So you're not going to steal somebody's school sack, but you definitely run off with their iPad or the laptop, you know? True. I just think it's it's such an expensive item. And then people mightn't have the wherewithal at home either for connecting up. You know, there's yeah. lots of people don't. They're presuming that everybody has it, you see. This is Jennifer's point that in many parts of the world, they've moved yeah. away from the books entirely. Yeah, and they're quite, yeah, but then is it, the, is it the school that's supplying them or do people have to get them? And a few, three or four children, you know, it's that's true. a lot of money. It is. It yeah. is. You, you're right, oh, Kate. Okay, take Thank, care. Bye-bye. Cheers, thanks. Fiona, um, it's, it's a scary amount of money. I remember it when my two were small, like... August and September were heavy, heavy duty months. It is. And Jennifer was talking about, um, you know, book rental schemes that some schools have. And the school, we're lucky the school that um, our two go to do have that in place. But you're still talking about, and like, I can't remember exactly how much because we bought Charlie's books before the summer. But you're talking about a hundred euro um, and he's gone into second class. And then Nancy has gone into junior infants and she um, was just probably, I don't know, was it about 80 euro or something like that for everything but, um, and then you have to include the school bag and all the pens and pencils and, and all uniform. of that kind of stuff and that. And then the uniform. And the uniform, I mean, we didn't even buy a lot of Charlie's uniform because we had it from last year. We got him a size too big so that it would fit him for this year. Um, although I was looking at his tracksuit bottoms this morning, I was like, mm, we're not really going to get much time out of that because you know the way young they kids grow. They grow like grass. Yeah, they but grow. I mean, you know, it was 250 quid, I think, just yeah. for the uniforms and that was without shoes. And then you have to buy runners and shoes and uh, it's just it's an absolute 
it's so expensive it's such an expensive time for people when yeah. their children are going back to school and we just have two so I can imagine for families who have more than that and children in secondary school then it must be just absolutely outrageous I dread that to be honest <laughs> as I always say to people the first 24 years of having children is about the, about the worst. Thanks, <laughs> me. 0818-969696. So that's coming for the primary school children. Uh, free school books taking effect from next September. Um, you still have to pay for workbooks. You still have to pay for books and pencils, workbooks and pencils and pens and uniforms and all that kind of stuff. And there will be a slightly a slight increase, or a slight decrease rather, in the pupil-teacher ratio. There's the comment that came in, and it does give me pause for thought. And I am trying to be as balanced here as I possibly can. We haven't even had the budget yet, and there's all the negativity already. It's a very tough time for everyone, and we would love a bloody break. Yeah, we will have the budget announced at lunchtime. We know pretty much everything that is in it. There's a colossal amount of money going to be spent. Nobody is denying that. I have it in front of me here, a couple of pages of notes of the stuff that is coming. There's a lot of money to be spent and a lot of announcements of spending of money later today. And that in itself is a positive thing. You're probably looking at 10 to 11 billion euro to be spent in different ways over the next 12 months. What is bothering people is where it's being spent, how it's being spent, who it's being spent on. And the question, I think, on a lot of people's minds, reading their newspapers and listening to their radio and waiting to hear what will be said in the door today, is, is this really going to be distributed to those who need it the most? Say, I mean, I will get the electricity credits. Um, I'm well paid. I've said that before. I'm well paid. I'm grateful for that. Uh, So is my wife. We're both grateful for that. We'll get the energy credits. Will they be useful? Yes, they will. Are we grateful for them? Yes, we are. We absolutely are. Would a little more given to the family over the road and taken from us, would it hurt us? No, it wouldn't. Plus, they tell us this is the easiest way to do it. That's just one talking point out of it. Tomorrow, the day after the budget, um, your thoughts on what has been announced and what has been confirmed and what it'll do for you. Tonight there'll be every class of an expert and analyst and number cruncher and by tomorrow morning some of the analysts and number crunchers will have sent us their packages of what it's worth to you but I don't really want to hear from them tomorrow. Yeah we'll talk to them but I want to hear from you. What will it be worth to you if anything what we get later today. I'll do this before I forget it. Um, Could you give us a shout please we're trying to build a sensory garden and an extra classroom for ASD classes at Skull Eosagon Mallow this is the Parents Association getting in touch Thursday 13th October at 7 o'clock in Springford Hall come and see local talent with many familiar faces modelling on the night they're having a special night there at the Springford Hall 13th October a couple of weeks away now only a couple of weeks away adult ticket is 15 euro child ticket 8 family ticket 25 and tickets available from the school or from Facebook, Instagram, Revolut, and they've spot prizes and the whole lot. So good luck with that. It's only a couple of weeks away. First, uh, 13th October is only two weeks, lads. <gasps> two weeks. Oh, wait, 1 8 96 96 96. Now, Sive Devlin, you're in trying to encourage children to 
read Osgrelia, but not to treat it as Oberbolia. Dismirgut. Sai, Vultuan, Dismirgut. Hi, PJ, come on, show. Good, good, good. Sai, you want people, young children, to treat books, Osgrelia, but about treat them more than just Oberbolia. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, it's Screenor Picture Lara Misha. So I write Irish language picture books. And when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of choice. So when I got older, I decided I wanted to make really beautiful picture books so that children uh, who have Gaelga or who are learning Gaelga or who are going to a Gael school um, would have the opportunity to have uh, books that are as beautiful and as attractive and as fun as the books that are available in English so widely and um, yeah so I write picture books but the thing that's quite special about picture books is that I believe anyway that they're for all ages so even if you have an older child who maybe has a bit of a a negative attitude towards Gwailga or finds it quite difficult I think that using picture books can actually be a really nice way to both introduce them to the language um, in a fun way that isn't to do with Upper Walia. Um, and also, it's, um, you know, they're kind of a comforting read, you know, yeah. because they're, uh, when you write a picture book, you write always with the small child in mind that it's being read to, but you also write picture books with an adult or an older person in mind who's usually doing the reading for the smaller child. So actually, there's something for all ages in picture books. And I think because they are written more simply and there's a lot of images used so that you can kind of infer meaning from the pictures, um, you can build your confidence in reading Gwelga, um, discuss the art, look at the beautiful pictures and yeah, it becomes a lot less daunting, I think, then to try something a little bit more difficult later on. Adults reading to children, it's part of childhood. But I think, to mm. be fair, Sive, for most people, most adults who did the Gaelge in school, the thoughts of reading Osgaelge to your children <laughs> fills them with fear. Because, I mean, even the little bit of Gaelge I used there bringing you in, I had to write it down. Because it's <laughs> it all Toshia Stacey Cowan. But in they terms, should be. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's got to be written down. Yeah. I think parents are afraid of that. I think they can be, and that's understandable if it's something that you don't do on a daily basis and don't speak on a daily basis. But like you say, many adults who were raised in Ireland, at least, or went through the school system in Ireland, um, will have those sounds and those words in their, the back of their minds. And when you say, you know, you wrote it, wrote it down, well, that's the beauty of books is that it is written down. Yeah. And, you know, you're not making it up out of the top of your head. You're not struggling to come up with a sentence. It's all there neatly written out for you. And if you do have difficulty with a word, there's an amazing online uh, dictionary, folklore.ie or tonglen.ie. There's an app and you can put it on your phone or use it on your your computer. And um, if you're struggling with the pronunciation of a particular word, you can put it in and it actually says it for you in all the different dialects so that you can pick the one you're most comfortable saying and um, get the meaning and then you can can proceed. So that's a really good way to build vocabulary as well for young children. What's lovely about young children and and language, and I think those of us who've been able to take our small children on holidays to far-flung places have Mm -hmm. discovered it. Immerse them in a language, they'll pick it up like a sponge. They they come back from holidays able to ask for their lunch in Spanish. (laughs) It just just sinks in. So if we can do that with the Kubla Fokal Grelga, 
They we can absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And young children are best, you know, it's it's best to start learning a language pre-teen because that's when your brain is the most salupa, the most flexible and the most absorbent, basically, so that young children, the younger, the better that you start with this. And um, and it, it basically changes the structure of their brain. It becomes more connected, more wired. So it's actually an amazing thing. It helps uh, with lateral thinking and with critical thinking as well later on. So there's no downside to learning a cupola focal. And I think some of it, even if your child isn't being sent to a Gael school or you're not in the Gael Tacht, I think having a positive attitude to the language can go really far to helping your child with their attitude to the language and to learning the language. We'll and to being proud of the language because it's ours. Call Lauer Le Fall. Where can we get them? <laughs> Uh, we can get them in all good bookshops. <laughs> I actually have a new book coming out called A Mwifwin Spare. It's coming out on the um, the 3rd of October. It's been illustrated by Brian Fitzgerald and it's published by Futa Fata. It's available for pre-order now. Um, I know that Halfway Up the Stairs Bookshop, which is in County Wicklow, which is where I'm from, um, is doing pre-orders and I'm you can um, get it dedicated personally to somebody if you wanted a special message written on it. I'll be down with them signing those. But uh, all good bookshops should carry them, and if they don't have them on the shelf, they're able to order them in. And they're also in your local library. So um, if you don't have the funds, go to your libraries. They're the best. Saib <laughs> Devlin, Gurmila. Saib uh, Devlin, a children's author, and her books in all good bookshops. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Come here. If I pick up my paper and see one more story in it about a, a referee being attacked at a match... Something is going to have to be done here. I just noticed it this morning. Yet another story. Uh, GA officials in Kerry now facing more underage disciplinary issues. An under-15 footballer, football game rather, an under-15 football game was abandoned after an altercation that left a mentor needing hospital treatment. This was a flipping under-15 match between Kilcoman and Cordell, according to Tony Lean, writing the examiner. It's alleged a fraught atmosphere spilled over into a sideline assault on a Cordell mentor ten minutes from the end. The match was abandoned after Cordell took their players off the pitch in protest. The mentor was treated for minor injuries the club has been in, cost, in, in contact with the East Kerry board. It's the second incident at underage games in recent weeks. I get this. An under-11 game in Abidorney was called off by the referee during, during, due to persistent abuse. Gaddy are also investigating an assault on an official in Wexford. Wow. In Mayo, under-17 match. Westport versus Castlebar Mitchells, an altercation. This is just bonkers, utterly bonkers. And there's a story going around about a player being assaulted here in Cork over the last couple of weeks. I was hearing the details about it. I'm not going to tell you where it happened. I'm not going to say what I know, but I know it happened and I know there's a lot of concern about it. A player assaulted during a match here in Cork. A young player assaulted during a match. Like, what is going on here? We talk about sport as being for fun. And yes, it's competitive and for fun. 
But and these assaults are happening at underage matches. Go through that article again. An under seventeen. Like an under eleven. Under eleven hurling. And people Poking each other. Ah, it's not good enough. Not good enough at all. 0818-96-96-96. Con was on the show at the very end of the show yesterday talking about our neutrality. And he was very upset with what Michal Martin had been saying at the United Nations. Uh, Michal Martin attending the United Nations over the weekend and he called Russia a rogue state and all of that in a speech for which Michal Martin has been pretty widely praised to be fair even by his critics they've praised it and said it was a a strong contribution Tom you were listening to Con and I think you agree with what Michal was saying but you're kind of wondering should he have actually said it morning good morning Peter short answer is yes I agree fully with what he said it needed to be said by more powerful states than us. That's my point. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm not being cynical, but uh, to be honest, I, I was wondering, would, would we be hearing of Russian troops in Fountainstone or Metalville or somewhere like that in, in the days following his contribution? No, I fully support what he had to say. It was did spot on. Yeah. But it's about time to, the Russians were told a, a, a bit of truth for the change. So you agree, but, you agree with what he said, well, yes, but you don't fully. think he should have said it? I, I, I think it should have been said by Joe Biden, for instance, or someone like him. Right. right. Uh, be somebody with a strong military force we're back, because we're a, a days in a bull's mouth militarily and yeah. and if if the Russians got stuck the thing up their nose we could suddenly find Russians in Patrick's Yeah, if the Russians decided to get nasty we yes. we haven't got a whole pile of defence. Not a hope in hell no, no, no I'm not taking from the army lads the army personnel we have are as good as any you care to name. In fact the army ranger wing or army ranger wing is the best of its type in the world. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's it right up there. It's it's classed right up there. I was in reading this recently. It's classed right up there with Marine Recon. Oh yes, absolutely. Wow. And in, in fact, the the Irish Ranger Wing, to the best of my knowledge, train foreign types of Ranger groups. They do. But yet, we we only have a handful of Rangers, as it were. Unfortunately, you know, yes. and we don't have. You're right. We, we, it's been said here before. We Michael Michael Murphy, I think, is his name. He's a military analyst, and he was saying that Ireland is is practically defenceless if the Russians were to decide to get nasty. Now, if the Russians came in, the best we could do is offer them a cup of tea. What are the What are the realistic chances of that, though, Tom? Oh, I, I would hope that they're small. They're small. Yeah. They're small. I mean, we're not back in World War Two with the war in the Atlantic and submarines and all that kind of thing. The chances of them coming in here, I would suggest, are small. But they are there, unfortunately. Look what they've done in the Ukraine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know? On the, on the subject of neutrality, Khan was annoyed with me, or annoyed with Michal Martin, because he said it at all. 
and that we, he saw it as interfering in in a situation where we're supposed to be neutral. Where do you stand on neutrality? Can I tell you the truth? Go on. <laughs> I don't stand on it at all. Uh, because we should not be neutral. In fact, there was a joke told about De Valera in the World War Two context. Uh, an, an advisor talking to Dev and morning coffee or whatever one day. Dev, who are we neutral against? Mm. You get my point. Didn't, didn't Bishop Tutu, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, once, and a lot of younger listeners might have forgotten who he is, look him up. He was a spectacular man. He said, yeah. if you are neutral when someone's being oppressed... I'm paraphrasing his words. You're on the sides of the oppressor. Correct. Totally correct. And I mean, look, if 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 you take in 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 the World War Two scenario, we were neutral. If if you like, self protection was at the back of it. Was back in the mix and still there. I might add, is the unification of the country, mm-hmm. because. The, the the government of the time, 1949, when this place became a republic, the, the government of the time adopted things called the, the McBride principles. Sean, Sean McBride, yeah. Sean McBride, correct. And Sean McBride, in his time, had been commander-in-chief, to use that term, of the IRA. Did he had? Did he, had? he was a barrister and all the rest of it, but he was a gunman too. But the, he was Minister for External Affairs in the, in the coalition in 1949, and the principle that he w- worked into the agreement of the Republic was that Ireland would not join NATO for as long as a member of NATO occupied part of our national territory, as mm-hmm. we've seen then. Yeah. And, but the, that, 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 that's a long story. If we were to unify the country right now, and work on the McGee or the McBride principles, we would immediately join NATO. And that in turn would finish our neutrality full stop. That's interesting. Ooh. That's that's a that's a very interesting uh, way of looking at it, Tom. I've not heard it looked at that way before in terms of unification of the country. Thank you, Tom. And there's a big event of course which we were talking about coming up at the Three Arena this very weekend discussing where we'd go as a unified nation. Thank you, Tom. Kevin says, Ukraine, we're neutral. How's that working out? Mick, Badafahan, says, the Russians have a good time for us. Why make enemies? This is going on for a really long time through all regimes. They even left the crown jewels with us, then put Aeroflot here. All the governments like us. Yeah, we're kind of generally popular. We're fairly popular worldwide. And that's a that's a, a position we should treasure. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Just go back on some more of your budget comments. And again, people asking questions, what's coming? Where's it coming from? What's gonna be in it for me, for example? Is there a parish breakdown of how property tax is spent? If not, could you ask the council for same? Mary, will recipients of illness benefit get an increase in the budget? Don't know. What about people using coal and oil, PJ? Coal's gone from
from 24 euro to 38 euro a bag. And I heard of someone paying 40 the other day. A thousand litres of heating oil has gone from 650 to 1500. That's just unsustainable. Absolutely unsustainable. Yeah. Jimmy says no, no country should be neutral, PJ, with the atrocity that's going on in Ukraine. And on referees in Multifarnham, where Joe Schmidt started. That's right, Kate. God, I'd forgotten that. In Multifarnham, where Joe Schmidt started his work in this country, they have a big sign up on the wall telling parents to refrain from bad behaviour. That's what's needed in all sports now, so people know it's taking seriously. Yeah, and that's on a wall. I've seen it in Douglas GA Club. I've seen it in the soccer club in Carrigaline. I've seen it in many club premises. And it's good to see it to remind people that they should behave. But it's also terrible to have to see it to remind people that they should behave. You think, who's the adult here? The kids are on the pitch playing hurling or football or soccer or rugby or whatever they're playing. Who's the adult here? Just go back to what Tom was saying about Russia. And look, yeah, the chances of them actually invading us are infinitesimally small. But, but, a point that was being made by Khan yesterday was they could sabotage us in other ways. And we need to keep our mouths shut to avoid them sabotaging us in other ways. Thinking about things like cyber attacks. I mean, you remember what happened to the HSE, and wasn't didn't that come out of Russia? Maybe I'm wrong. I'll be corrected if I am. But John, you you don't agree with what Michal Martin said. Now Tom agreed with every word he said, but reckoned that he shouldn't have said it. He should have been a more powerful person who said it. You don't agree with him at all, though. Morning, John. Good morning, how are you, sir? Um, no, I don't. Because look, I consider myself a Republican, right? And the last time I looked at Fianna Fáil. Uh, are supposed to be the Republican Party. Well, so they tell us for years anyway, even though the writing got very small in the posters as the years went on. Um, but to stand up like I mean, representing me and the Irish people, right, the sovereign Irish people, and call Russia or any other country a rogue state, being the Prime Minister of a neutral country was an absolute disgrace. He did not speak for me. I did not call Russia a rogue state. He had no... Permission for me or the Irish people to call Russia. And what are your feelings on Russia, John? Well, my feeling is, look, what they're doing is wrong, right? But Mm -hmm. we're a neutral country. But isn't that the actions of a rogue state to kind of carry on? The referendums where soldiers are coming to the door to hand you a ballot paper. The the, the only rogue I can see here is Michal Martin acting like a rogue because he had no permission from the Irish people to call out another country and mention those words, a rogue state. This is the same man that stood up not so long ago in the Dáil and said he didn't believe in backward sovereignty. Well, I'm sorry. He said our place belongs in Europe. I'm Irish first. Any yeah. day of the week, sure. I am Irish first. Sure. So, so the rest of us, what's that got to do with anything? Well, I mean, it's after him to come up and start uh, throwing sovereignty around like willy-nilly, like as if it meant nothing. It means everything to us. People died in the ditches in this country and shed their young blood for our sovereignty. They did. Did and it, and people him. are dying in the ditches and shedding their young blood in Ukraine at the moment and have done in their tens of thousands and people are f- fled to this country to seek some refuge and some shelter. Surely we're yeah. entitled to, <clears throat> to express what we feel about their oppressor because, to quote him again, 
Desmond Tutu, Archbishop Tutu, who said, in a case where someone is being oppressed, if you're neutral, you're on the side of the oppressor. I don't believe that. If you're, no, neutrality means that you don't take any sides whatsoever. That's the, the bottom line. That's the whole concept. So of should we not support sanctions on Russia? Well, I believe, like, I mean, you know my feelings on Shannon as well. I mean, like, our, our neutrality has been breached going back to the Vietnam War. There's no way the Americans, like Isabella said to me, we should, so have, a, we should have a NATO base here. And I said, excuse me, we already have one. It's called Shannon Airport. So it's okay. So, so hold on a while now. You, we shouldn't say a word about the Russians, but you can criticise the Americans. But you know what I mean? We don't criticise the Americans enough because we're afraid to rattle the cage. We don't well, criticise... We... Hang, on, hang on. We don't criticise the Americans enough. Now think about that. But yet, you're giving out about Michal Martin criticising Russia. Well, and because he's not balanced, as simple as that. I mean, look at the atrocities. Look what the Americans have done. They've destabilised the whole... That's what about That's what about her. So what of... you're saying now is be neutral when it suits what John thinks. No, no, no. It's the very fact that I mean that Tony Blair and George Bush destabilised the whole Middle East and weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. Hold right? on, hold on. You're now, yeah, you're now talking about the actions of another state in previous times, and you're perfectly entitled to that view. And there are many who would agree with you. But Artishik has just gone to the UN Security Council and stood on stage and spoken in the same words and terms about another state, and you're not okay with that. Because he's, he hasn't got the permission of the people of a, the neutral country that he is the Prime well, Minister of to call another country a rogue state. He has no permission from the Irish people to do that. I never get permission. Okay, okay, okay. It's an interesting, it's an interesting point of view. And thank you, John. 0818-969696. Agree or disagree with John and Tom or Khan? Should Michal Martin have made that speech at the UN? And is our neutrality gone to pot? And is the Ukrainian situation a situation in which we can't be neutral? Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and John is, Kevin is wondering, should we not have sanctions on Russian billionaires? There's a lot to unwrap in that one. What have you found in your child's mouth? You know, when they're small, morning boys, young lads took a Jay's toilet block out of the loo and uh, was munching on it for two minutes before we spotted it. Our one went through a ladybird eating phase. I came home and found my husband asleep on the couch and my two and a half year old face down in the cat's litter box. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second now. If I came home and I saw one of my children with the legs of a daddy long legs yeah. hanging out of their mouth, the child would be on done deal within the hour. <laughs> Gone. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk call 0818-969696 text or whatsapp 083-396-9696 email opinion at 96fm.ie the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Something lighter than the last conversation we were having and the budget conversation we are having all morning and we'll have again. If you have anything more to say on the budget, do let us know. Do you have a packet of M&M's in front of you or one of the press or one in the handbag for later? You ever wonder how they got their name? 
what they are, what it means, M&M's. You've seen all the ads on the telly, the chocolate M&M and the peanut M&M and the M&M inside in the bed. Where'd they get their name? And while you're at it, where did B&Q get its name? Just have a think about that and we'll come back to it. I will, I promise, I'll tell you before we finish today where M&M's got their name. And where B&Q got its name. You won't, get, you won't guess B&Q. Well, you will. you guess it off the internet. But you know what I mean. Guess it now. Be fair to me. 0818969696 is the number. The text to WhatsApp 083 396 And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. And it's the opinion line. Email you need to use if you're trying to contact us uh, out of hours. In other words, we're live from 9 till 12. But pretty much any time after that, the best way to get us is opinion at 96mm.ie. If you listen to our podcasts, and we put the bones of 30 podcasts up there every week, including the daily full show, which goes up mid-afternoon every day. It's just the show with all the ads and the news taken out, full show. You listen back to that. Or if you listen to our overnight, which is a kind of a squeezed-down version of the full show, between 3 and 5 a.m., pick that up at whatever time zone you're at or whatever time you happen to be listening and you want to contact us opinion at 96fm.ie now an artwork inspired by the death of someone much loved that you lost during covid it would be a labor of love i think for anybody who set out to do it and it was just that for dr edith o'regan um, Edith, my condolences on the loss of your mum. She was the 604th person in Cork to die of COVID. When did she pass away? Morning. Hi, good morning. Um, so she passed away in April of this year. Um, so, yeah. So, um, but I suppose, you know, there's 603 other families before then that, you know, had the same or a similar experience, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so I suppose it's, um, I suppose it, you know, it's a thing that all children, well, hopefully, I mean, it's supposed to, it's the way it's supposed to be, I suppose, you know, our parents age and, and, you know, hopefully go before we do. Um, but I suppose for a lot of families in Cork, COVID maybe, you know, took some of our relatives a bit earlier. So yeah. 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 Was you a doctor yourself? Um, Edith, a medical doctor, so you were working on the front line throughout it all? Yeah, um, well, I suppose not, I suppose front line, I suppose varies. Um, I work in community medicine normally, so I work mostly in child development. I work in St. Mary's in Grona Broher, um, and when COVID hit, we were all redeployed to public health. Um so I suppose most of my work would have been not so much clinical. Now we did do um, we did support the vaccination program in the nursing homes later on, and um, so I suppose that was you know the full gear and in and and you know supporting the nurses who were vaccinating. But um, for the first round of it, I suppose we were on the phones doing the complex contact tracing. So that would mean where there were complex outbreaks in maybe residential settings or nursing homes or complex community settings. Um, so again, I suppose very, very distressed, bereaved families, um, you know, trying to get information from them at a time 
when everybody was very unsure of what was happening and how things were going to go. So, yeah, you know, um, very different to what my day-to-day job would have been. But Mm. again, I suppose, compared to some of my colleagues who might have been 12 or 14 hours in full PPE gear inside in COVID wards, you know, it... It was, uh, I suppose, an easier station, for want of a better word, mm. um, but still very challenging and very necessary work. You know, the public health department, yeah. I think, you know, they had to really, um, you know, completely change yeah. the way they worked and the way, you know, and it was just such a complete disruption for everybody, you know, and it it, it was very... Um, I suppose it was very, you know, it sounds very strange to say that, you know, positive things come out of such a difficult time, but Mm. it was really heartening to see how how well people pulled together, what goodwill there was, the camaraderie of it, you know, and how quickly really, I suppose there's so many unsung heroes from it, you know, from such a difficult time, but, um, and it was very, you know, I suppose for a lot of people in those, you know, particularly in the first lockdown, um, you know, people were stuck at home, you know, whereas at least I, you know, I, me and my colleagues, we were able to go out to work and feel like we were making a difference and we were helping and we were doing valuable work, you know, so there was a comfort in that too, you know. I remember the, the first few months and people genuinely very frightened but the way the community pulled together I think as an Irishman as a Corkman I never felt more proud of my fellow Cork people Absolutely it was just at a time when and again I suppose I you know I I qualified from UCC in 1998 and I suppose I worked in children's medicine and I worked in general practice and I suppose, I, you know, over the years you remember, you know, there were always times or families or, you know, patients that you remember or whatever. But I think, you know, particularly families who were bereaved in that early period, um, you know, how difficult it was for them. And I, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever forget how struck I was by how kind those families were and how, how well they, you know, they didn't, you know, we were ringing them. They weren't, you know, it would have been so easy for people to be, you know, aggressive on the phone or, you know, we were, you know, and people were so kind and really wanted to help and do the best for their community, even in the midst of their own grief and distress you know I I agree I think it it really showed I suppose you know that the the good in people you know it really did it was very heartening you know how good people were and how kind they were and how considerate they were of others you know at great cost to themselves at times you know yeah did mum try to talk you out of medicine as a career yeah, both of them did actually, which I suppose isn't what you'd expect. Um, I I got a notion when I was about fifteen, I think fourteen or fifteen, that I wanted to do medicine, and I think they felt it would be a very, in hindsight, you know, I I have three girls of my own now, and I completely see where they're coming from, but at sixteen, sure you don't want to be told anything like. Um, so I think they felt it would be a hard life. I think they felt the hours and the responsibility and, you know, the on-call and all that, particularly in the early years, I think they felt it would be a hard life. And to be fair, I've always been rather fond of my bed. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were worried about how well I'd cope with, you know, being up all night and doing. And, you know, certainly when I started as an intern, like, 
I, wor- I worked in the Mercy and in the South Infirmary. Lovely, fabulous hospitals to work in. But sure, the hours were insane, you know. Yeah. But like everything else, you just get on with it and you cope and it's what everyone is doing and it's what you know and sure, yeah. it's also exciting at the start, you know. But yeah, I think I think they were coming from a good place, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, yeah, saying to your 16-year-old, you know, and uh, again, I can see where my dad was coming from in that, you know, again, in those days, things like maternity leave and all those things, they were not great mm-hmm. for women in medicine, you know, mm-hmm. particularly in hospital medicine. Um, you know, it has improved since. Um, but I think I can kind of see where he was coming from now. Um, but again, at the time, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> no, 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 no. At 16, our children are not designed to see where we're coming from. No, not at all. And they're certainly not designed to be told anything no. either. You know, you, no, not no. at all. Like, that's just not how it works. No, but, no. Um, yeah, no. And, and no. how did, where did art come from? Because if if you're going to go into medicine, yeah. you haven't got much time on your hands. So where did art come no. from? No, I suppose I've always made things. Um, I say this all the time. I think for some of us, making is almost a compulsion. Yeah. I've always had the need to make things. So I suppose in my in my life growing up, the kind of things that were around were textile. All the women in my life knitted or sewed or embroidered. Um, we made cakes and we baked. So I suppose they were the natural places that I ended up. And particularly in textile, I always knitted and sewed and embroidered. Um, you know, everybody I knew that had a baby got a baby blanket. You know, I always did that. And I suppose there's a lot of artists in my family on both sides. Um, But like I never really felt it was something that I could do as a career. You know, I never felt that it was something that I would um, do as a job. I suppose I kind of felt like I wanted medicine. And then in my later life, I did a textile course in the Crawford, um, just an evening class. I did it over a couple of years. And I suppose it's the first time I started making non-functional objects you know things that were just for the sake of making them they weren't a hat or a scarf or you know something that had a use and I made a piece for an exhibition there and I wanted to put a painted background behind it and I opened a tube of paint and I put it on the canvas and I was lost like that was it I was just that was me I was done (laughs) I was completely hooked yeah hooked Um, And it just went from there. So talk to me about the the piece you've done called Final Breaths. It's it's a complex piece. There's a lot to it. Yeah, um, I suppose with this work, I suppose I wanted to make work that was about COVID, but I didn't want to make work that was inherently, it sounds very odd not to make work that's inherently kind of very obviously sad or grief-stricken. I wanted to make work that looked very... Um, light and airy and you know I suppose but anyway the work itself it's got 22 hand-blown glass baubles really Mm. Um, and the volume of each one contains the size of it contains the volume of carbon dioxide in a single human breath so we make yeah so we make carbon dioxide when we breathe living things make co2 so and then inside each one is a tiny amount of gold thread which is the amount of gold that's in a human body now i I Um, read that in in my notes and obviously i understand the carbon dioxide bit and the fact that so if you take each one of these little glass baubles or that they have a, a certain amount in them and that would be the amount of carbon dioxide but you say there's gold permanently in the body 
Yeah, we contain a certain amount of dissolved gold in our bodies. Tiny amount, 0 0.02 of a milligram or something. It's a tiny amount, right. but we do. And I suppose I was very struck by the idea that I suppose for COVID and breath, you know, at some point, like, you know, even with mum, you know, your her breaths became more and more laboured, you know, and at some point there is the last one. So I suppose it was an attempt to kind of capture that sense of a last breath for each of, so there's 22 for each of the healthcare workers that passed away from COVID in Ireland up to the date my mum passed away. You know, I, I hope there haven't been any more since, but I haven't checked the figures. But yeah. um, I suppose it was an attempt to kind of commemorate that in a way. You know, I think, but in a very, I suppose I wanted to do it in quite a quiet, dignified way. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to, you know, it's 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 people's personal grief. And I suppose grief is such an unusual thing, you know, like the idea of this little glass ball. It's like a space that the person held in the world, but they don't, they're gone, but their space yes. is still there. I don't yes. know if you, that's my experience no, of I grief. Do. I it's like, you talked, about, yeah. you talked about your mom's last breath and it's almost yeah. like, and I think people will recognise very much with this, Edith, that they're, mm. they're, the carbon dioxide contained is the amount exhaled in the typical human breath. So therein, yeah. you may perceive to be your mum's last breath, held yeah. well, preciously in this little bulb. It's represented as that. Now, yes. they're not sealed, so it doesn't contain actual carbon dioxide. I wasn't organised enough to do that. But it is that idea that... That's the last little okay. bit of space, I suppose, that they held in the world, you know, yes, this last thing. exhale. Very precious, very yeah. precious. And it's on, it's on display. Where is it on display? So it's in um, the Lord Mayor's Pavilion in Fitzgerald's Park. And it's there. You're going to ask me the dates now. It's there until the start of October. Until this weekend, I think. I think yeah. yeah. And I think it's open Tuesday to Sunday. Okay. I should have been organised now and That's had a date. Right. Too. I'm can, sorry. I think it's Tuesday out. to Sunday. We can work all that um, yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me lastly about mom. Um, she was a remarkable kind of a person, um, born in a huge family in West Limerick, um, you know, a tiny cottage on an acre, uh, very bright, um, did her leaving cert, um, went to Mary I, worked as a primary school teacher and then a principal. Mm. So she was a principal in a tiny school, um, in a place called Park, which is kind of on the Cork-Waterford border outside Yall. Uh, drove out to school every day in her tiny little mini um, and, you know, worked there for years. Um, yeah, and a very tiny little woman um, with this incredible intellect, loved her books and loved anything intellectual, loved crosswords, loved her. We had... Um, we always had big, massive, hairy Airedale Terriers who were like the son she never had. Like there was just myself and my sister. Loved her dogs, loved her cigarettes, loved her sweet tea. Um, and then at 57, had a brain tumour, um, had surgery to remove it and really never fully recovered. So she was in a nursing home for years then after that. No. She still was, you know, she still was able to have a conversation and laugh and joke, mm. but really was less than she had been, you know, couldn't, yeah. her short term memory was affected. So I suppose um, her, I suppose her life was maybe not as, you know, she planned on, you know, there were, she just retired actually and had, um, they'd moved to a little cottage over by the sea in Ring near Dungarvan, mm. where she was as happy out, but... 
you know, these so things don't always work out as you plan, you know. She felt a bit robbed then, did she? <laughs> Do you know, she actually, it was remarkable how she kind of took it in her stride. Um, she just kind of, I suppose, got the good where she was. Um, you know, she settled into the nursing, but she was at home for five years and then she fell and broke her ankle and wasn't mobile. So she went into the nursing home after that. But um, she just kind of took it in her stride. It was kind of her way. Um, she just kind of accepted where she was and she got the good of it. And she was in um, the nursing home in Yall and I mean, the staff there were, they became her other family, really. Yeah. Like they were so good to her. She was their longest resident. Um, they were devastated when she passed away. Um, but like she just, I suppose it was a good example of, you know, live your life while you have it. You know, yeah. don't wait for you know, retirement or whatever, all these great plans, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But also find the good where you are, you know. She really did. Like, that was her reality. And she could have been very bitter and angry about it. But she just kind of got on with it and got the good. Yeah, she did really, you know. There's a life lesson in, in that and people like her for all of us. My condolences again on you last, Thank Edith. You. And uh, the work is open until Saturday the 1st of October at the Lord Mayor's Pavilion in Fitzgerald's Park. It's part of an exhibition called Braid. Uh, you'll find that work and others besides. Thank you very much, Dr. Edith O'Regan, who is a, a, a medical doctor with St. Mary's Primary Care Centre, but also an artist at Sample Studios. 0818 96 96 96. Yes, M&M's, uh, it means it stands for Mars and Murray. Some people used to think, according to the Daily Mail anyway, which I have in front of me here, used to think that it was for... Mm, like, what? Sorry. Should you even be let out on your own, if that's what you think? M&M. Mm, no. No, it's Mars and Murray who were the two people who invented them. Um, and it's now sold in more than 100 countries. Yeah. Initials of the maker's surname. That's good. Yeah, the other one is B&Q. I asked you about B&Q. That's a tougher one. You'll find that on the web, I know. But B&Q. Block and Quail, if you don't mind. Block and Quail. Two fellas called Block, Mr. Block and Mr. Quail, set up B&Q. There's something you didn't know this morning, I hope. 0818 96 96 96. Back to the budget. Morning, PJ. Is that €500 Euro for renters? Is that also for HAP? Thank you. I don't know. I suppose that'll come out this afternoon. P.S. Why are there so many leaks before the horse has bolted? Are they only testing the water to see what they can get away with before the people rise up and overthrow the government? Chances, the lot of them, says Paddy. I was only recalling earlier on, Paddy, that on budget day, we'd be sitting in the newsroom maybe from 2 o'clock. Budget used to start at 4 back then. And we'd be sitting lined up with three or four tape recorders on the go and you'd have a couple of computers cleared and you'd have notebooks and pens everywhere. And it was a hands-on deck day in the newsroom. Everybody was in writing and taping and scribbling and editing and getting stuff ready so it broke as the minister broke it. But those days are gone now and we know everything, pretty much everything, before the ministers stand up at one o'clock. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I just know it's a different thing. 
But the they're not leaks, you see. They're now, Paddy, they talk quite openly to political correspondents like Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun or Sean Defoe or others like that, Danny McConnell at the Examiner and all those other Paul cars. They talk openly to them now once they've caught a deal. But Paddy's take is, let's see what they can get away with before they rise up and throw them out. I wonder will that happen? 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and rest. Fight fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96 FM. Some of your comments on the neutrality issue. I'll get back to them in a second. Uh, Jimmy was on and a few more just talking about the neutrality and whether or not Michal Martin should have said what he said about Russia at the United Nations and all of that. Come back to it though. 0818 96 96 96. Also, some news about the two Naris. Uh, they are on. Nationwide tomorrow night. The whole show on Nationwide tomorrow night is about the two Norries. More on that before we finish today. I was down with it myself last night. Two, two, two chancers, two gas men of the highest order doing great stuff. I'll tell you about that before we finish. But here is a sign that people were passing and reading and quite shocked to read. As in from 6 p.m. on Friday, 7th October 2022, Fairfield Stores will close for business. Our decision to close Fairfield stores was also known as which was also known as Bills was not an easy decision to make, but we feel this is the right time. Hillary Good morning. A sad day. A very sad day. The end of nearly two decades, imagine, you know? It feels like it's been there since forever, like it does. It was, you know, it's very small. It really is, and it's just, it's the heart of the community, and it's tucked away in a little corner, but people found us 18 years ago, and they never stopped finding us. They always come out and support, and, you know, I just, we were very, very, very lucky, and it was such a difficult decision to make. But, you know, PJ, the days are very, very, very long, but the years are extremely fast, and I feel if we didn't do it now, we could have easily gone on for another 10 years and then we would have had to make the same decision again. Yes. So it just, it was hard to make. But you know, when you make a decision and you say to the person you're making it with, are you sure? Do you feel this is right? And when you can 100% say it actually is for us at this time, yes, you're happy then with your decision. So no regrets. It was one of those little corner shops, the last of them really, they're, they're, they're a dying breed the little corner shop that are. anything from a needle to an anchor literally. Oh gosh I have to say for him he had everything in there it was small, it is small um, I won't deny that but everything you could possibly want or need and people will vouch for the fact if they look for something that morning after the school drop and he didn't have it mm. <clears throat> certain people might get a phone call and say could you get this for me a hill for lunchtime so when they'd be coming back then to collect the children from school, yeah. he'd have it. Do you know? So tell us, tell us the story, uh, Hilary, about. Fair oh Fair gosh, um, my husband Bill was always in retail, 
Right. And he'd done a stint around Cork in the different places. And one day we got we, we got married in 2004. And then we, he decided, Tilly said, I'd like to go work for myself. And I said, fine, whatever you want to do, um, we'll do it. And we take a chance. And we did. And I remember the Saturday we opened above. Um, there was a big truck pulled up with the big stock delivery. You know, when you're opening out first, there's a huge stock to get it out and whatever. And I just remember looking and I said, oh, my God, how are we going to get the stuff in? And the driver was panicking and we were panicking. And do you know something now? And this is the truest word. There is a barn next door to us and um, in above and in the row and there was gentlemen going in and coming out the whole time and they said are you okay there and I was like we are but I'd say they could see the fear on my face and I was like yeah we'll be out of the way there now in a little while and you know something they started what was called a human um, ladder I suppose is that the word and they started chain perfect and they started at one end of the truck and one to one to one and they passed out all the boxes and they put it in to the shop and just said bill where will we put it for you and to this day it's the same since if he pulls up in his van on a thursday after the cash and carry they come out bill where we put it for you now they know at this stage now so we knew then from that day forward i I remember going home that night saying bill it's going to be okay we're going to be fine here yeah had, had it been a shop previously, Hillary, the premises, or was it? It was closed. It had. It had. There was a beautiful lady. Her family's from the area as well. And um, they've been phenomenal support to us. They're only the lady who would have had it. Her mother is just across the road from where the shop is now. And um, beautiful lady. And she's in the there every day. And if she didn't come in, he'd be over to know what was wrong. Where was she? Because he knows who should be in and at what time. And if they're not around, then he knows something is wrong. And then he start asking questions. Very nice. Now, did you see such a person? He should have been in yesterday. He wasn't. I have his bread here. Or I have his paper here. And it's fantastic for the elderly because, you know, when you can't be with elderly people all the time, you're trying to work yourself and whatever. He keeps an eye out then and he make a very discreet phone call and say, I haven't seen such a person in maybe two days now. Will you have a check? And... They say, thanks so much, Billy's the flu, but he'll be in in two or three days' time or Billy's in the hospital or something like that. And um, that's the way it has been. That's pure community, you can't buy that. That's pure community. I tell you now, you have no idea of this community. We span Ferry Hill, Old Spangle Hill. We go down into Blackpool. We go out to Rathpeakin. And we have customers coming from all over Cork. And that wouldn't be a brag. We're not like that. But we have. Mm-hmm. And we're so grateful to them. But Fernery itself is a community. They took us in 18 years ago. They minded us. They supported us. Yeah. They they loved us. And that's all they're saying to us since last Friday. Do you know, we're trying to, we're, we're supporting them. And um, what's the word? We're trying to keep them standing up. And, and at the same time, we're trying to keep ourselves standing as well, because you make your decision, as I said to you, but time goes around very fast. I know that it's so close. It's Friday week. Um, and yeah. people are saying, Bill, could you just, just another year, Bill, give us another year. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's so flattering and it's lovely. And we would love to, but as I said to you, it's time for us now. Yeah. We we went in. We gave our time. We did everything we could possibly do. Our shop, um, it, we we called it Fairfield Stores because we're positioned just across from the Fairfield. Yes. And um, I said to Bill, you know, that's what I want to call it, and we did. But we should never have called it that. We should have just called it Bills because that's what it's known as. Where are you? I'm up in Bills. Um, are you up in Bills yet? Can you get this for me? That's the way it works, you know. And Fernery is very small, yeah. and everybody is related. And are, are, are friendly and know each other so yeah. we all know each other and we just brushed along and we got on fabulous from day one and we were just 
it's very simply we were lucky. And that's what it comes down to. We were embraced and we were very, very lucky. And the way people speaking to us now over the weekend, it's like a, it's like a loss, really. I didn't think I knew it would affect people because it's the local shop running there and get it and whatever. Or Bill will give it to you and he'll bring it out to the car for you or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't think it would be such an impact. And it has been, you know. So, so is this just you've reached a point where it's time to take time for you guys or what? I think so. It's harder to get staff. We've had a phenomenal staff down through the years. I can't thank them enough. But, you know, people come into us as part-timers and while they're doing their degrees and they go on and qualify and that's fantastic and we're thrilled for them. But it's harder to get staff. The day, the staff now, the days are getting longer. Um, not everybody is able in the position to work weekends and evenings. And that would be, you know, a lot of our time and that we would need people. So we also have a very important little man in our house. He's 12 now. He's uh-huh. our, our one and only son. Sam, and he's reaching pre-teenage years now, you know, and he just feels himself. I'd like Dad to hear more. I want Dad to hear more, Mum. I'd like Dad to collect me from school. I'd like Dad to do this, do that, the other. And we always said when that day would come that he would top it, and he is top dog, and that's all about it. He's the man, and when he speaks, that's it. Mm. So he was saying to Dad one night there during the summer, Dad, I wish you could go to the beach. And Sam, I'd love to, but I can't. The suppliers will be waiting above for me in the morning. And, you know, I have to be there. And he's very conscious of time now and that. And he just said there, as I said to you, I'd like Dad home a bit more. And we sat down as the three of us and we spoke about it. And Bill said, you know, Hill, I'm tired. And I said, yeah, I can see it. Because the hours, they started off at maybe 60 and then they went to 70. And now he's doing 96 hours a week, every week. Whoa. So, yeah, exactly. So you can't do that forever, PJ. No, and, you know, can't. we're all getting older. Yeah. We don't like to say it, but we are getting older. <laughs> so it's just, it's not that we're going to go mad. It's just a bit of time for us. Yeah. You know, and will and you, what, I mean, because, I don't know what plans you have. Will you will you sell it? Will it remain a shop? What will happen? Do you know? Have you decided? I'll be very truthful with you. The unit is rented. We rent. So it's not our choice to sell. Um, uh, as far as we've been made aware, there will continue to be a shop in there. Okay. Um, so as I said to everybody, you know, you give your support to them and you'll get it back tenfold. And, you know, I think as well, change is good. A rest is good. A bit of new blood is good. To mix it up is good, do you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm tennis cracked myself, you know? You have a fabulous, um, you have a fabulous po- positivity, uh, Hillary. And I don't know about that, but you know, you have, you have. Roger Federer retired this week, this year, this week as well, you know? I love tennis, and Roger retired this week as well. And so I it's good enough for Roger Federer, it's good enough. Roger can quote... Well, you see, it's, it's Nadal is my man. It would be a different story now if Rafa was retiring. But the fact that Roger's going out, it can't be a bad thing. Merck has supported him for years. I supported Bill for years. And I said, you know what? If Roger's going, it can't be a bad thing at all. We'll go together. So it kind of, you know, it just kind of, I don't know, little omens like that, you know, yeah. but I don't know. But um, yeah, it's just simply because we're tired. What have we in store? I don't know. Um, people are saying, what are you going to do now, Bill? Bill has worked since he was 12, um, you know, back then through different jobs and that. So I don't know what we're going to do, and that's the truth. We do like each other very much, so we get on fine at home, I hope, for a while. And um, after that, then I'm sure we'll have to do, find him something, because, um, do you know now, <laughs> a woman will always find something to do, but you know, men around now. But anyway, look. Um, we'll be grand. So I just could I just say just one thing if you don't mind. Um, I forgot yesterday. Um, you know I have phenomenal 
um, family support myself I have to say and I forgot mommy and daddy yesterday they were superb to us over the 18 years when we needed anything fast or to fall in or you know our little boy we became a family through adoption and our little boy originated from Ethiopia and when we went to Ethiopia to get some and to bring him home which was the most wonderful and blessed time of our lives. And I will never forget it. Mom and dad and my sister, Amy, and all our staff, they fell in and looked after things for us. And the suppliers were superb to us at that time because we were thousands of miles away in a third world country. And the let's just say social media and that wouldn't have been good back then. But look, it all worked out fine. So I just want to say uh, personally myself, on behalf of Bill and myself, to mommy and daddy and to Amy, they'll know why, but they just mean the world to us and um, we couldn't have done it without them really do you know and that's really it so well I I, I, you know I I think that You've made an enormous contribution to that part of the city. I, I hope rem- so. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a south side born and bred, and I remember moving you up are? to the north side for work, um, mm-hmm. and 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 learning from great friends up there what kind of a community oh, it is, and it is. It's a- you it's know. phenomenal. It's a different education and it's phenomenal. And as I say, there's not too many people can turn around in 18 years and say, well, we didn't have a crossword. We didn't have a crossword with nobody. Everybody at the weekend, I was up there myself on Sunday to say a few goodbyes myself. And everybody that came in were upset and they were saying, Bill, you saw me as a baby and now I'm bringing my own baby back to you. And you were so good to the children. And, you know, we would have a load of children um, coming to us on all different stages of their lives and in different areas with additional needs and on the ASD spectrum which is very close to our own hearts and all that and he would just stand back and he would just let them go inside the counter and pick out what they wanted and come out and do you know the way sometimes they might be non-verbal or sometimes they might be just having an off day and they don't know what they want themselves and he'd stand back and he'd say come on in in you go, pick out what you want now and put it up on the counter and there was no problem. Do you know? It was all, everything was great and they'd be shouting, is Bill there? He's there. His van is outside. He's there. Mm. Do you know? It's simple things like that. But you know, PJ, I'd be trying to teach my child. I'd be saying, Sam, in a world where you can be anything, just be kind because there's not enough kindness in the world. And I said, I want you to be the type of child that will open a door for somebody, that will get up off a bus and leave somebody sit down. Do you know, small, simple things that was taught to me and my family ourselves and just be kind because the time that we're in now and the way things are going with the budget now and everything, there's not enough kindness, number one. People are in dire straits, number two. And you just don't know what's going on behind someone's face when you say good morning in the morning to them. And they come back to you that evening and say, I was going for... um." a test today to see did I have cancer Bill or Bill I was going for an x-ray to see did I have x y and z you know and you were so nice to me this morning and she's like what is it a bit of kindness humanity it's nothing so I just want to say on my part now Bill you are a legend you were loved and respected at home more than you will ever know and I hope now that we get some fantastic years together well, you, oh, know, no. you know what, that, Hillary? There's, there, there's a reason why Fairfield Stores Bills was so popular. And you've just given oh. it to me in the last 10 minutes. The sheer enthusiasm and loveliness of yourself and Bill. Oh. I wish you I all the best. 
all the and you know something that means the world and the fact that you rang us and you wanted to speak to us that means the world to us and I wish you and your family all the best for the future and thank you so much and as I say thank you so much to everybody in Fernery we will never forget you this is just a gap along the way you will always be part of our journey. You, you gave us a wonderful 18 years and thank you so much. Well, and thank you, PJ. Just one of the many messages coming in. Meg says, Ah, no, I love Bill's shop when I started going out with him self. Ah. I spent an awful lot of time with the north side. Wishing Bill and the family all the best. Hilary, enjoy the years to come together uh, when there's not 96 hours work to be done in the week. Hilary from Fairfield Stores, Bill's. Closing on the 7th of October. End of an era. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Catherine was listening to Hillary. Hi, Catherine. Hi, PJ. How are you? Hi, Hillary. She's I gone off the line there now, but she's still listening at home. Yeah, I tell you what now, just... On behalf of my family, um, Bill has been very good down through the years to my mother, Catherine Martin, and she's an elderly lady. He brings over her newspaper and her um, bread, fresh bread, every single day. Um, She's a day in his life. But down through the years, he's been absolutely exceptional the way he is with his customers, and he'll be very sadly missed in the north side. When the news came out that that the place was closing, I think there was a novel, Oh, crikey. Went around. Yeah, what are we going to do? Yeah. And even apart from a personal note, um, I just want to, um, I'm involved in the Pearshigs as well. And down through the years, Bill has been very, very good to the Pearshigs, um, especially to the underage kids. Anytime there's ever any tournaments or blitz on, um, we'll always hound him, God help us, for something, for a donation. And he's always come up with something. He'll always give something. He's always been very, very good and very supportive to all the little kids in the north side, all from the Pearshicks as well. All right, so then. I just want to thank him on that note as well. But as I said, he's an absolute legend, and he'd be very sadly missed. And as I said again, from my family, just want to thank him and Hilary um, and Amy for being so good, and the staff over there for being so good, um, looking after my mother down through the years. All right, Catherine, thank you. And something tells me, you know, that as we get closer to the 7th of October, that won't be the last phone call I'll take about... Fairfield stores on neutrality. Jimmy says no country can be neutral of the atrocities going on in Ukraine, says Jimmy. We should never nose us in any of Russia's business. We should stay out of it, says another message. I see where he's coming from, Michal Martin spoke on behalf of the Irish people. This is about John. But in reality, he spoke on behalf of himself, not about us. Of course, what Russia's doing is disgraceful, but we, the Irish people, didn't ring up Michal Martin and tell him we all think it's a rogue state. I think a lot of people are scared because nukes are being mentioned, and that's frightening. Others will see it as an empty threat, but a lot of people are afraid. I read, PJ, that, God forbid, there was a nuclear war. Cork would be the safest place to go for the whole country. But please God, it never happens. 0818-96-96-96. PJ, Russia's fight is with Ukraine. It was knowing for years it was going to happen. They're not members of NATO or the EU. It's the Americans that are pushing NATO and the EU into supporting them with their Russia. It, that's a discussion that will just go on and on and on. And there's a lot more interest in it out there and the politics of it than you would anticipate. So there is. 0818969696. Remember, there's an opportunity right now to choose the music on Cork's 96FM. 
could decide whether that music you just heard, would you turn it up or would you never want to hear it again? Would you put our songs to the top of your playlist or would you never miss them if we never played one or two of them again? Well, the choice is yours right now. The Monster Music Survey is up and running once more and this time there's a chance for you to win €1,000 while you do it. So you need to pop on to the website, 96fm.ie, and there you can do the survey. Do the Monster Music Survey, take you a few minutes and have your say in the music that we play. 96fm.ie Betty says that was a lovely little gem of a shop in Middleton like that. Oh, hold on. Uh, sorry, is that the one? That, they're talking about a different shop, a shop in Middleton. Oh, lovely little gem of a shop in Middleton like that. Angela's. Two lovely people. Oh, I get it. Oh, sorry. I was a bit, <laughs> bit distracted there. Right, one more quick bit of business. Geraldine, I understand you have dyslexia and you were going to a class, but you need another one now. That's correct, uh, PJ. Um, the one that I was doing was in Churchfield. And um, no, they, they, they were lovely, but they changed it from a Wednesday to a Tuesday. And on the Tuesday, I was doing um, a women's group. Um, and um, it helped me an awful lot because uh, I would have lost my sister uh, 2019. Okay. And um, my counsellor wanted me to get back out there to do things and to keep busy. Yes. So, um, so um, I couldn't change that. The, the Wednesday had suited me. Sure. A lot better because I only had to come over my own house, PJ, uh, around the corner. And uh, it was very suitable. Yes. But, but now they have changed it. And I said, what about Balfihan, Mayfield, um, Balancholic? And were you able to find any other class on the night that suited you? I didn't. I found it very hard reaching out to the education people. So you're looking for... It has to be uh, either a Wednesday or a, a Thursday night or something, or, or, or even a Friday, a Friday morning or something. So you it's can't do Tuesday, you want a Wednesday or a Thursday, and you're wondering if there's anybody has a course that you could do or a class you could do on a Wednesday or a Thursday, correct? Y- yes, that's correct. Or, or, even, or even a Wednesday morning. Uh, would sure. be, uh, and is it a literacy group you're looking for, Geraldine? Like, um, no, I see. I'm doing a literacy group um, on a Thursday morning in the same centre, but it's very different. I see. But, but with the dyslexic, it's like um, that uh, you're born with something that you can't remember. Oh, sure. That, but you're looking for a group specifically for people with dyslexia. With that dyslexia. Right? Okay, and that will be on a Wednesday or a Thursday, you're saying. Yes, a Wednesday or a Thursday okay. morning. Because on a Tuesday morning, I'm with my counsellor. With the change of the day, was very difficult. You definitely and want to get you definitely want to get back out there again doing this. Look, if anybody knows Geraldine of a course or a class specifically for people with dyslexia that we that's on a Wednesday or a Thursday, sure, if they want to come back to us, we can let you know. Would that be okay? It would be, but um, there there was one thing. Um, I would say is that I'm out, I'm out a, a long time of the, the dyslexia class and they had been telling me that there was nothing available. I'm, I'm doing literacy now on, on the Thursday and uh, I will give that a go 
you know. Okay. And, uh, well, if anybody, if anybody does know of somewhere that you might find a course that would suit you, they can get in touch with us, and we'll get in touch with you. I appreciate that, PJ, and uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Not at all, Geraldine. You take take care and have a good day. Okay, thanks a lot. Cheers, Geraldine. I don't know if you can help her there. The class that she was doing has moved to a night she can't do it and she's struggling to find something else. It would be a class specifically aimed at people with dyslexia. If you can help, that'd be great. Let us know and we'll let her know at 0818969696. We'll have all the budget follow-on you want uh, tomorrow. For today, programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. And we'll see you tomorrow with all that budget stuff and more just after nine. Edinburgh Fringe Festival, they've put together some of the best gags from it. Tim Vine is in there at number eight. I used to live hand to mouth. Do you know what changed my life? Cutlery. (laughs) I spent the whole morning building the time machine, so that's four hours of my life I'm definitely getting back. (laughs) Do you know if you get pregnant in the Amazon, it's next day delivery. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.